Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, and I'm very, very pleased to be joined today by Colin Moriarty, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Last Stand Media, the world's most popular fan-funded games podcast network. Uh, he's a co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, uh, and a 20-year veteran of the gaming industry. Thanks for being on the show, Colin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So I wanted to have you on because uh, last week for the Washington Post, I wrote a column about Chinese influence on gaming. And it's a, it's a topic that I find interesting, but I don't know a ton about, frankly. Um, and uh, you reached out. We, we had a little bit of a chat. Uh, and I want to I want to fill people in on this because it's really interesting. And, and it's different from the ways in which China, I think, has been manipulating Hollywood and Hollywood content in some very important in real ways. But it's also very similar just in terms of the overall efforts uh, at control, but I want to give listeners uh, who you know are not necessarily gamers uh, who are listening to this podcast. I want to give them a sense of the size and scope of the industry because people know about how big the movie industry is. Who listen to me? I don't think they realize that the video game industry really dwarfs it yes. in size. Um, yeah. So I think this year the global games market is projected to surpass two hundred billion dollars in revenue, um, which is substantially more than movies and music. TV, I think, combined. Um, and what's interesting about it is that it people buy into games at all different levels and stratifications. You have free-to-play gamers that do it a dollar at a time. Some of them get by without paying. You have whales that pay a lot, so-called whales that pay a lot. And then you go all the way up to the top. High-end PCs worth thousands of dollars, $60 and $70 games bought several times a month or annually or biannually. And I think the buy-in of the product, you need a console or a PC, typically a phone. Um, I think that this keeps the money flowing because the investment is large. You want to make sure you're getting something out of your investment, your $500 PS5, for instance. So you go and spend hundreds of dollars a year to make sure that um, games are coming and going into that machine and out of that machine. And so I just think it's, uh, I think you're right that a lot of people don't realize how big it is and how ubiquitous you know playstation 4 for instance which is not really the the common console played in the playstation ecosystem anymore is 115 million units sold i mean there are 115 million of those things in people's living rooms it's it's quite unbelievable yeah and and let's talk a little bit about the stratification because i think a a separate thing people don't quite understand is the difference between mobile gaming and uh you know uh console gaming and pc gaming because i mean like everybody imagines when they say video games they're like oh if you're a little bit older it's like oh mario brothers right yeah sure you put the right. console you got the console you stick the thing in there and, then, and that is like transferred to playstation xbox etc right like i go and i buy a copy of god of war 4 and i put it in my playstation 5 and i play it it's great um that's the last game i played by the way nice. I'm, I'm very very casual. 2018 uh, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so uh but the uh but the 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 real money it seems is in mobile gaming right i mean that is like that is the where where a huge portion of the the marketplace is right now yeah mobile gaming which is something we don't cover on our programming um but is huge we usually don't cover it because we're not into it but also because there's a casualness there that's kind of cyclical so you're casual enough to play a mobile game you're too casual to read about the mobile game you just play the mobile game so mm -hmm. there's no other kind of interface with that and people learned that a long time ago with farmville and all that like there's just no way to yeah. cover this stuff but nonetheless, people play these games by the millions, tens of millions. And yeah, what's so fascinating about it, I think, is that this started mostly on phone and on Facebook and other places. And it's kind of infiltrated and some might even say um, infected 
our space is console gaming, PC gaming, mm-hmm. higher end um, core gaming, as it's called. But most of these players are actually maybe even able to cross between games. For instance, there is a Call of Duty game on mobile. There is a Call of Duty game on PC that plays with the consoles. The consoles can play with each other. Um, you can play some mobile games that interface with console games. So people are all over the place now. And the idea of cross play and kind of um, bringing everyone together through these various monetary devices and, of course, technical devices is like all the rage right now. Proprietary stuff is kind of falling apart. And so, yeah, a lot of people are playing on just very basic browser or iOS or Android games that really require no input, um, very little money. And if you have millions and millions of these people playing, you just scrape pennies at a time. You make a ton of money. Yeah. And the, where the question gets into it with art is the so-called AAA games, right? So when when we're talking about, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, a Farmville style game is just something that you do. It's mi- mindless. You know, you're just killing time, whatever. Um, but a game, a game uh, in the in the PlayStation 5 or Xbox ecosystem is going to be treated a little more seriously. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I again, I'm I'm terrible with like current reference points, uh, so I'm just going to stick with God of War four here. Okay. So like you know that that's like that that's a that's a game where you have like real questions about like well, what is it what does it mean to be a, a god and a deity? What is like you know what is what is the 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 purpose of power? What is what does it mean to be a decent and that 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 is a question that art has wrestled with for a long time. So, you know, when we start talking about the arts and China, one thing that comes up a lot is Chinese reluctance to let companies uh, act freely. Right. No, totally. Uh, <laughs> I, I talked to someone um, from the Rand Corporation about this last year, and he blew my mind. He had a lot of detailed information specifically about the way film companies interface with the CCP. And um, so a company like Disney, for instance, or Marvel, the Marvel movies that they they hold. And he was saying that the, the hold over the CCP's kind of onus on whatever they want is so powerful that things like time travel are illegal in movies because mm-hmm. it undoes the, re- the, the it can undo, undo the revolution. Right. Uh, you have to like there are people at these companies that in- exist entirely to rework scripts and make sure things aren't in there so that they can get them by the goalie in these specific places. Um, it's completely bent out of shape. And uh, we have our own experience, actually, because uh, I, I co-own a game developer, an indie developer uh, called Lilimo. We make old school 2D games. We love them. There's cheap, what we call weekend games. And I write those games. And uh, I wrote a an enemy appendix for one of our games. It's a baking game where you're playing as a baker. And so the enemies are all like food that come to life. And I wrote an input about a toaster. And I wrote about how the toaster was made for a dollar a day in a Chinese factory. And that was in the game. And we got it kicked back to us. It had to be edited out of the game on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 because it brings them into problems with the CCP if they ever want to do business there or whatever. So if you download our game, Super Perils of Baking, on PC, Xbox, or Switch, it's in there. If you download it on PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5, it's not because we would have gotten in trouble for having it there. That's See, that's fascinating to me. Now, was that was that a directive that came from PlayStation, it's, like their store? Yeah, it's or? in there. It's in the you when you get your dev kits and you and you agree to be on the PlayStation store or any of these stores, Nintendo Switch, you have a, uh, you know, a user agreement that you agree to and and all of the rest and buried in there. Lo and behold, when we were writing the game, our producer came to realize it's like, look at this. It literally specifically says you cannot 
say Taiwan as a country. You cannot acknowledge Taiwan as being independent or China. And so, yeah, it's a it's a really uh, it's a really interesting thing that I think a lot of people are talking and not talking about, which is why I was so grateful to see your article, because um, and why I reached out to you through a, a mutual friend of ours, Noam Bloom, because no one is talking about this in other spaces. I'm a very political person, too, and it's I'm, I'm frustrated. Sometimes I've wanted to like think about writing an op-ed and trying to contribute it somewhere, just getting it out there to be like, people need to pay attention to what's going on here. It's quite onerous. It means a lot more in our space because there's so much more money and engagement in our space. You go into a, you know, there's nothing wrong with film, but you go in and see a film for three hours and you're in and out. You know, if you play Genshin Impact, which is made by MiHoYo, a, a Chinese company, that's potentially hundreds of hours of your life, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe thousands, depending on how into it you are totally different engagement and therefore i think it really requires people to pay attention to these these small little nibbles at the corner that i think infringe on our ability to express ourselves and games are the most beautiful art form to express yourself so that's the biggest bummer to me yeah i mean it's it's really interesting and the other the other thing you know the what i say it's it's a slightly different thing that china is doing in the video game space as opposed to the movie space that is a very simple like that story that you just told i've heard that from half a dozen people in the film industry like no we can't we can't have a plot line about taiwan on our show are you like we would just never it would never come up it would never even cross our minds um but the uh but the 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 other thing that China is doing, which is a little bit different than what they what they are doing in the in the movie space, is in the video game world, they are just buying up companies. Yes. Right? I mean, like I that's the thing I was most struck by was just how much uh how much how many companies Tencent, the Chinese firm, mm. has actually purchased over the last decade or so. Yeah. So when you think about Chinese gaming, and this is something we always talk about on our show, it really comes down into like five corporate buckets. And the biggest corporate bucket is Tencent. They're easily the number one, like you say. They are a Google-sized company with more than 100,000 employees, tons of money, lots of power, um, major CCP influence at the company. I think something like 10% of the adult population in China are CCP members, but 28% of Tencent's employees are, ten are CCP members, so about two and a half times more. And I think something like, according to the Taiwan News, 80% of those people at Tencent are in leadership or key positions. Um, so that's the big bucket. And then I would say that there are, uh, there is a second bucket, which is NetEase, which is another company. And they're the second, I think, biggest. And then there are three others, um, Timi, Leao, and MiHoYo, which I brought up earlier. What's ironic, though, about Tencent is Tencent owns two of those companies in addition to a bunch of other things. And I, it's concerning because I don't think people understand quite what they own and what they're doing. Uh, as they're trying to infiltrate boardrooms. And as I always tell my audience, it's a matter of a moneyed interest being in a space and time where it's like you kind of just buy your way in. Maybe you get a board seat. You sit there, you, you learn, you observe. And then the time comes when it's like, well, we need money for another project. We need, we need investment. We need someone to take the risk. And they're like, oh, well, we have money. You know, like what do, we have, we have the money to, to do what you need. And so they start small. They own 5% of Ubisoft, right? which is, I don't think a lot of people know. They own something like 16% of From Software, the, the developer behind Elden Ring, which is the biggest game of the year. They own 100% of Riot, which makes League of Legends. They're over in Santa Monica, where I used to live. They make League of Legends, one of the biggest PC games ever. They own 100% of Sumo Digital, one of the biggest third-party developers. They own Supercell, which does um, a lot of mobile gaming. They own 40% of Epic. Epic uses uh, epic doesn't only run its store epic has unreal engine which is the infrastructure of many triple a games 
Um, they own 13% of Krafton, which is the the creators of PUBG, the, the Battle Royale game. Um, they own pieces of Discord. They own pieces of Roblox. You know, they own Paradox. They made a new uh, piece of Paradox. They, they made a new uh, Western um, branding called Level Infinite that's trying to whitewash kind of who they are. People should go look into this. Level Infinite sponsors the Video Game Awards for the last two years. Uh, no one knows that that's actually Tencent paying for that show. So it's happening very onerously, but it's happening because they are scared of their domestic market, which I don't think a lot of people have really put two and two together. They can't really make money there. So by virtue of survival, their capitalistic instincts, even though they're these communistic entities, come out and they say, we need to leave because we can't. They're, they're keeping kids off of phones. You know, they are locking kids out of PC um, cafes. They're making sure that they don't play too much or do this or that. And so they need to get out and they go to the West where we can do whatever we want. So it's incredibly shady. And it bums me out that more people aren't talking about it because Tencent isn't a small company. You know, Tencent, um, I think they run WeChat and all that kind of stuff, which is also huge in China. But they just have great social control when... And it's implied. I don't think it's explicit. It's implied. And I don't know if you saw, by the way, Tencent just announced yesterday that they hired Sean Layden. Who was Sean Layden? Sean Layden was the, f- I can't, you can't curse on this show, probably, is the frigging, was the CEO of PlayStation. The CEO yeah. of PlayStation. Now, that left a couple of years ago, who is a creative mind, a producer, worked a long time at PlayStation, going all the way back to the 90s. They gobbled him up. You know, uh, that the company NetEase I talked about. They uh, attracted a guy named Toshihiro Nagoshi, who was a big Sega talent who created the Yakuza franchise. They pulled him away from there after 25 years. What is his studio called? Nagoshi Studios. Who is it owned by? NetEase. You know, it's uh, it's very sad what's happening out there. And it's 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 part of the consolidative efforts in the games industry widely. Microsoft is a huge part of it. But these Chinese companies are aggressive. And a lot of people don't know Tencent is the, you know, I talked about that $200 billion sum. Tencent is the biggest slice of that. Yeah, I want to I want to hit on something that you mentioned uh, just kind of in passing, because I think it's interesting. The 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 Chinese efforts domestically in China to restrict the amount of gameplay by children. Now, it's interesting to me because that was that was the thing that a lot of uh, a, a lot of conservative ish people saw that were like, oh, that's maybe that's not terrible. Why? Maybe we should think about you know, you know, props to China for for taking control of their kids. But it is it's 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 interesting to me because in the context of the gaming world itself, the economics of gaming that has to kill them there. Oh, yeah, totally. They can't. It's it's just this is by virtue of survival there. It's that's what's so funny about it is that they just can't make a go of it in their own market. I mean, they have big games there, uh, games that usually don't come out in the West that are big on mobile, big on PC, uh, PC console spaces is, is really just burgeoning in China. So um, and Chinese console games are just now emerging from there as well. So we're still in nascent days there. Um, but yeah, they have real rule sets that I think um, will limit in a statist way, your access to video games. I actually don't think it's a bad idea if a, p- a parent wants to engage the parental controls on an Apple iPhone so that their kids can't play games on weekdays or whatever. I just think a lot of people have a problem with a governmental uh, body doing that. And it's, um, I don't think it's a good idea. I think video, I'm, personally, I'm not here to advocate for video games, but I just don't think video games are looked at properly through the proper lens as an instructive, a potentially instructive medium. 
Um, yeah. I was talking about it recently with a teacher I had on my show. We were talking about the future of education in games. And I asked him, I'm like, um, you were bringing up God of War, but I was bringing, bringing up even more dense games than that, an open world game like Cyberpunk 2077 or something, where I'm like, this is, um, there's probably seven or eight war and pieces in here. And there's all of these themes of politics and economics and social class and racism and all these things. I'm like, why couldn't you actually learn a lot more by playing a video game than even reading a book at this point? So it's important for me to advocate for the medium as well. And I think that anything that goes against people having access to that in a reasonable way, I think would be a problem to most of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, again, this is, this is all super interesting. And I do think that there is a, uh, you know, I, I feel like we have transcended the Roger Ebert saying video games can never be art moment, right? We we're, we're beyond that. But there is a, still a question of like, well, what what does the art form actually mean? I mean, you know, it's different from books and movies and, mm -hmm. and different from TV. Um, but it is it is a, a genuine art form that is that is filled with all sorts of. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Um, the, no, the, uh, the 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 the. Uh, one thing, one thing that I've seen folks uh, talk about, and I, I don't have any idea really how to kind of measure this. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the actual uh, right answer is here. So I'm curious from your POV. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of concern about uh, Chinese games and their anti-cheat softwares. Uh, you see this, you see this come up from time to time. That like folks, folks are worried about putting these, you know, kind of rootkit programs into their computer they don't want to have the they don't want the ccp to have access to it etc cetera, etc cetera. is that something folks should worry about or is that just kind of random scare i think that's probably i mean that probably is something to worry about if specifically on the pc space in the pc space or in the android space where there's just fewer controls i can't imagine that anything the ccp deploys on your iphone is going to get very far um, they might be able to scrape data or something from you and in the console space those are such closed gardens that that there's really no worry there but um mm -hmm. If you're in the PC space, you have a lot to worry about, just not from any actor, really. I mean, look what just happened with Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto 6. I don't know if you saw that this past weekend, yeah. but um, that's a catastrophic uh, leak that was that was garnered by a simple click of a of a bad link. So anything yeah. could happen to anyone. But um, these closed gardens are pretty safe from that sort of stuff for now. But the point I was making earlier is that a lot of cross play between platforms requires these walls to be lowered. And so who, who knows? where new vectors can come up. Sony is famously, Sony is famous for eliminating hacking vectors when they find them. Their old handheld, the PlayStation Vita, which we were a huge advocate of, they tried to kill that very quickly in 2016 and it didn't really work because people still wanted to kill it because they couldn't keep the firmware ahead of people hacking it. They were afraid that through the Vita, people would be able to hack the PlayStation network. So hmm. there are different strata and levels to it. Um, and uh, there's really nothing to worry about, at least in my space. Yeah. Uh, for the record, uh, for folks who didn't hear, I, I believe it was GTA six that uh, got like early footage of which was released. Um, right. By by hackers getting into Rockstar's system. Right. People are. So games companies like everyone else are working remotely these days or many of them are. But when you're working remotely at a games company, you use a virtual machine to use your co computer at in the office. And that's because the computer in the office is connected to the Internet. You can make you can submit your your stuff to what are called builds. Builds are new compilations of everything in the game so they can be played or looked at. Um, and so someone clicked a bad link that gave someone access to the Slack on those internal machines through the virtual machine, and they were able to download apparently some of the source code, which could be catastrophic, but um, 90 videos of the game mm -hmm. early in development. And it's just, it's just a bad look because much like, you know, I know you're a film critic, 
people don't want to see. Well, I mean, some people like the behind the scenes stuff, but when you see it, you're like, mm. man, that's it. You know, you haven't seen the final product. Yet, yeah. So it's it's man, they they. I actually ha- I was talking before we began. I did a show with a lawyer to talk about what happened over there, and he was talking about the disaster recovery plan that they probably executed, and it's like a fire. It's very fascinating stuff. But um, that was an American company that happened to an American company. Actually, technically, Rockstar's British, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Close enough. Uh, they, I mean, the, the internet, the internationalization of video games is uh, is interesting because one thing that comes up, you know, as I'm as I'm reading all these stories about China and, and video games, is that it's not really the American companies that are pushing back as hard as the Swedish companies. The the Swedes are very invested in making sure that this this sort of thing does not uh that china's influences curtailed somewhat and for instance uh, it, the, uh a couple years back china went to the international organization for standardization was trying to get um that body to uh take over certain aspects of gaming in terms of you know again just they say in terms of just technical specifications um but the the uh the the i think i i can't remember the name of the swedish trade group uh, they were like no don't we the, you can't do that. Video games are art. We can't have it. You know, these aren't light bulbs. It's not baby seats and cars. We, we need to have more freedom than that. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we um here in the States about 10 years ago, the Supreme Court um, basically confirmed games as a freedom of expression as well, um, which is good. And I actually think it's great. We talk about on Sacred Symbols, the Chinese games that are starting to emerge. Not many of them. We want to play them because it should be clear that we have no problem with Chinese people. We just think the and the, the creativity out of there is no doubt burgeoning and, and ready to get out. I mean, can you imagine the pent up and en- creative energies of some of these places that just want that are seeing everything going on in the West and want to participate? So it's nothing like that. But my my bigger problem is just that the government, the United States government, especially doesn't seem to be consistent in their pursuit of Chinese corporations. They were all over Huawei, right, coming to to the West, which I thought was great. I, you won't. <laughs> Why would we want them here? And they're becoming more. I, I saw um, a, a Senate hearing this last week about TikTok. And I was like, this is another good thing because it's, I think it's madness um, that TikTok, I, we won't use TikTok at our company because it's, it's, <laughs> I can't believe mm-hmm, that people mm-hmm. use it. And then so, yeah. but, but Tencent just slips under. And it's like I said earlier. So the biggest entertainment medium in the world, the most profitable entertainment medium in the world, about one in every $7 is made by Tencent. This is a company people mean, need to pay attention to. So, while we have this inclination, I think, naturally towards freedom of expression in the United States, and it's something I, fir- I firmly believe in, I think that we need to go after the root causes of um, of the issue here, which is not the creativity that could sprout out of that, but just the economic and creative ramifications of dealing with a, a totalitarian dictatorship. I, I just don't understand what people don't see about that. This is entertainment that's in your in your on your TV and your kid's face on your laptop. I mean, it's time for people to wake up. That's why I was so pleased yeah. that you're talking about this and why I'm so appreciative because it's time for people to wake up. So a couple of years back, there was a there was a committee on foreign investment in the United States investigation into some uh, in, into one of these purchases. Uh, I, I forget who it was that Cepheus was looking at. And it kind of went nowhere um, because I, I guess people just don't understand the size or the scale or the importance of these um of these activities, right? I think so too. I, it's so funny. I'm reading about it now. I fa- I, I looked up Sisyphus or whatever. Like the what did I look up? A uh, yeah, Sisyphus, like the like the Greek spelling or the Latin spelling, and then it just came <laughs> up with this. So it actually knew exactly what I was talking about. Okay, cool. Because um, it's C F I U S. 
So, yep. yeah, I, I really think it's a matter of ga- video games have somehow, I think, just flown under the radar. They continue to just flow, you know, fly under the radar. Like no one or very few people seem to realize their potential, the money that they make, the, the ubiquity of the products. And I think that another major problem is just having people in office. And I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time. Just don't know anything. Wasn't it um, Senator Blumenthal that was talking about something a few months ago in Facebook? And he just sounded like an he sounded like an asshole. Yeah. Like it's like this yeah. is a man who has to ha- like even pretend that you know what you're talking about. So when you have people like that in charge, video games only come up in the most negative ways. And of course, video games went over, went through their most negative period in the United States, I would say between 1992 and 2002 or so with uh, the rise of the ESRB, Tipper Gore, Joe Lieberman, and then um, the government, you know, the, the video game industry, much like other mediums decided to protect itself to keep the government out by creating a, a ratings board. And then that brought in people like Jack Thompson and people can go read about him. He was in a nut job from Florida, who was this lawyer who actually got disbarred for his activities and trying to stymie the create the uh, the sale of grand theft auto a lot of crazy stuff and we're past that moment now so i think that it's just kind of injected itself into our society but people don't really think about the ramifications of how the money is spent where the money comes from and what you have to do to make create products and it goes all the way down to um the creation of the consoles themselves there's no fair trade playstation 5 the playstation 5 you're buying was made in china no doubt at a at a uh at, in, in unfair circumstances, you know, so it goes all yeah. the way down to the root and the companies themselves all the way onto the other side of the government and their their blind eye towards these issues. Yeah, I mean, I like it. it it's interesting to put it in that context because it, it makes me wonder. I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, I was uh, 10 or so in the in the early 90s when when all of this, you know, the fights over blood and Mortal Kombat and, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing was going on. Right. And it, it, it I remember thinking at, uh, at the time, this is idiotic. You're all, we're like kids aren't dumb. We know what we're, we're playing. We're not, you know, we're not being desensitized to, to uh, real violence. It's a video game. We're all just having fun. Um, but I do wonder if that has inculcated in a generation and the generations that followed a resistance to the government doing anything with video games, like stay, just staying out of it entirely. So, I mean, like Cepheus looks at Epic and Riot and like they can't really they're like, ah, we just don't want to get involved. We don't want like we we don't want the headache of, you know, having to be thought of as censors or thought of as interfering in the games industry. The government's gone through that. We don't want a part of that. I mean, do you think that there's a lingering effect there? Definitely. There's a an anti I don't say anti-government, but just anti-authoritarian slant in video games. You don't understand video games. You don't like video games. You make fun of us for playing video games. Just leave us alone kind of thing. And that I think is in. D&D and tabletop gaming. I think that's in card gaming. I think that's in a lot of different things. But it creates a sort of mysticism that I think is false around what is actually happening. Because again, I think most gamers would agree that we don't want censorship. I think also most gamers agree that things like the ESRB make sense. And the ESRB and its creation, its self-funding in the in the games industry in the 90s kept the government away. And I think that there's some expectation that the gov- the industry should be able to regulate itself before the government gets involved again, which is why I think it's important to have powerful trade organizations and all the rest that can help do that. But it, it's I think what we unfortunately are going to need is the moment or the or the purchase or the game or the event where people see, oh, I get it. 
And I think it's unfortunately going to be something that's outside of gaming, maybe fortunately, like TikTok getting exposed or something like that, where people are going to start looking deeper and deeper and being like, oh, there are a lot of actually unsavory tethers here that fly way under the radar that are anti-authority and are hesitance to cooperate, let's say, will end up hurting us. And we just don't want that kind of money involved in the industry. It's not, again, the creative aspect of it out of China. We want Chinese games. It's just what comes along with the Chinese money. And that's a question that needs to be asked. And, and again, like I said, with the PS5 being created or when you buy an iPhone or something, you can't live a moralistic economic life, but you need to ask, I think, the appropriate questions and make nips and tucks along the way so that you dodge things that you might not want to be a, pro- a party to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's 100 uh, percent exactly where I am on this. I mean, I, I think I, I, have you have you played any of the games coming out of China? I mean, have you been have you have you uh, experienced any? No, I mean, um, I've played a little of bit of some of them, like Genshin Impact is a big yeah. MiHoYo action RPG. Call of Duty Mobile was made in uh, China by a, a studio called Teamy Pokemon Unite as well, which just came to switch. Um, and uh, Quantic Dream was just bought by NetEase and uh, they made a trilogy of PlayStation games. Bungie was owned by NetEase for a while. Those are the creators of Destiny, although Sony bought Bungie from NetEase and other entities, making NetEase hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. So, yeah, we play some of those games and interface with them, but a lot of them are not being localized. So it's hard for us to see too much of them, although you can look up a thing called PlayStation. I want to say it's called PlayStation China Stars which was this PlayStation initiative that I think is still ongoing to get eight or 10 games localized out of China and to the West. So I think break down these barriers because I think we have to look at it two different ways. We're looking at the government, but we're not, again, looking at the creative aspects of what can happen. We're simply looking at the the totalitarianism, right? And so I think there's like some good faith efforts to try to to, to evade that and and get to the people that you actually want to talk to, the, 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 the you and me in China, mm. as opposed to the uh, the major corporations there. Yeah. What from your POV, what would the what would the Chinese purchase of an American company that really opened people's eyes look like or or the Chinese interference in an American company's product? Uh, what what level of interference would there need to be for like average Jane and Joe video game player to be like, oh, this is bad. We have to like something needs to happen here. I would assume it would require the the acquisition of one of the what are called the first parties. So the 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 console manufacturers and really the only one that would be small enough to be purchased in that way is PlayStation. Um, so there's a lot of theorizing that Sony itself could be purchased in, in this in this um, cascading effect of mergers and acquisitions. Although Sony's um, games revenue is substantially higher than Microsoft's. Microsoft, the owner of Xbox, is a much bigger company. So people have often looked at companies like Apple and have wondered like. Would they be able to purchase the PlayStation brand or something like that? So if that kind of theorizing happens in economic circles, then you'd only need to take it one step further to imagine an entity like um, Alibaba or Tencent coming in. And these guys have a lot of money and saying like, well, we want PlayStation. Now, I don't think that would happen. I don't think Japanese companies don't sell, um, but Japanese companies like PlayStation that are headquartered in America and their, their business is conducted primarily in America. I think that would open people's eyes to wow, what, what does this mean? Where is this coming from? What, how does this affect a brand with ubiquity over 30 years? I think it requires a shaking like that. Until or and if something like that happens, I fear that the, the approach of this will be glacial enough where before you know it, the new normal happens. It's like the simmering pot, right? And yeah. 
So I don't want anything like that to happen. That to happen. I don't want a major acquisition or a merger or an acquisition like that to happen. But I unfortunately think that it will be required if we want to bring this to people's attention. But I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think we are the frog in the pot. I think that um, the simmering will happen and happen and happen. And before you know, it, you'll be like, oh, these guys own 40% of this and 20% of this and 10% of this and 50% of this. And it's very much what's happening with um, the Saudi investment fund, right? And with Live Golf. And, mm-hmm. But they're doing it in video games yeah. too. They bought SNK. They own 5% of Capcom. They own 5% of Nexon. So there are other problems too. And that's that's kind of the thing. We have to keep our eye on multiple balls here. So we don't want, you know, that's more about sport wa- sports washing, whitewashing and all of that. But there are multiple bad actors that we need to keep an, an eye on too. And no one's keeping an eye on any of them, which is why I think that it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, again, this is this is exactly what happened in Hollywood. Everybody put all their pot, uh, put all their eggs in the big blockbuster bucket and then acceded uh, to a whole bunch of rules and regulations from China. And then all of a sudden that went poof when China was like, ah, we actually, we don't want Marvel movies anymore. We don't. And now all the studios are in huge trouble. They don't know. They don't know how to make up that revenue. Good. Uh, gap. Good. By the way, I just want to say that. Good. I mean, you you reap what you sow. These were the same people when MGM came back that went through all of the Red Dawn remake and removed the Chinese flags. Right. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. eat shit as far as I'm concerned. And I mean that <laughs> it's like the companies that choose to do business there deal with the, the consequences, deal with the repercussions. I own a small business. I own two of them, like I said, and we make our small choices to not deal with them. All of our merch is made in America, right? All of our merch is fair trade. All, it's like just make the choices. And if you don't make those choices, deal with the consequences. I don't feel bad for those companies. All I hate Disney. I want I, yeah. I think they're awful. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, go away. So yeah. it's you're totally right, though. It's. That's that's the other side of it, though, is that like, why aren't more people reveling in like the ha ha, you know, it just goes to show you that people aren't paying attention either way. Yeah, well, no, that, I mean, that's the long and the short of it. Nobody cares so long as they get their new mm-hmm. Star Wars. Right. Show and they don't care. By the know, way, whatever. they don't care that, you know, um, John Boyega was made into a little postage stamp on the Chinese uh, on the Chinese movie poster for the Star Wars movies, because um, there's a deep strand of anti-black racism in China. That also happened, but everyone ignores yeah. that. Disney did that. Look at the look at the two posters for Force Awakens. It's hysterical, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's, it, it's outrageous. Yeah. So there's so many different layers to it that people just ignore. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It, it's fascinating. Again, this is a this is a a burgeoning topic. I think it's only going to get hotter uh, as as we go along, and as China and Tencent and other companies they keep accumulating. Uh, stuff. I always like to close these interviews, Colin, by asking if there's anything I should have asked. If there's anything you think folks should know about uh, China and video games, or just video gaming in general, the the state of things. What 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 do you think folks should know that I did not ask you about? Yeah, I mean, I think well, in terms of the state of gaming in general, if we have you, because I'm sure you have a, an, I'm sure there's some gamers in your audience, but I know that you probably have a a different audience that maybe just watches film, just watches TV, you know, absorbs music, whatever. Um, my major role, my major goal in in the last few years is to try to just open people's minds to the potential of video games and to see them as more than Mario. Now, Mario's awesome. I mean, I love Mario. That's still a thing. I mean, people still love Mario, but video games are so expansive and so interesting and there's games for everyone. I I don't think that people understand that there is a video game for everybody and games like, I think this audience would like games like Civilization and those kinds of like really nerdy management and historical games and all of that. So I want people to not walk away from our conversation thinking it's like, oh, it's very oh, this onerous totalitarian shadow is cast a pall over the video games industry. It's 
it's quite bright and airy right now. And it's very interesting. We are going through a course of mergers and acquisitions where companies are buying each other up and Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard and Bethesda and are becoming a major gaming force to rival PlayStation. And so a lot of interesting stuff going on in the in the industry. I hope people pay attention to. But as far as this stuff is concerned, I really appreciate you ringing the gong on this to at least your audience. And um, I hope more people come to see this for what it is, which is just a potential danger that we need to write. And it's just hard for me to imagine that when Discord or Roblox solicited Chinese investment that they couldn't find anyone else to give them that money. Like no one else wanted to buy a piece of Roblox. And that's what I'm saying. We need to hold people's feet to the fire to make the right decision so that when it trickles down to us, we don't even have to have these conversations. But it's about the almighty dollar, and that is it. And so, like you said earlier, when they don't know how to make the revenue, their revenue connect and all that, good. You know, I hope I hope people make learn some lessons about this. Well, let me ask. Yeah. I mean, I am a, I am always skeptical. I I dislike boycotts as a matter of course. It's not my it's not my preferred form of uh, activism. But do you think we are getting to a point where some there needs to be some sort of organization of economic distress on these companies that that take Chinese money or is are we still or would people even care? I mean, is, is it would it just be ineffective? I pro- it probably would be ineffective. I mean, you're asking me. I mean, the, the real political answer to me is that China should be under an, embar- an economic embargo because of covid. That's, that's <laughs> nothing to do with with anything else. Like it's like we should. So we won't even we won't even deal with them in ways that are material. Right. The, the, ruin the entire world basically for two years and they got away with that so of course they're going to get away with um with infiltrating entertainment because it it almost seems to me like they get away with it because it's like to your point who cares who gives a shit i have things to worry about inflation's going crazy i just put a hundred dollars on my my gas tank got to go to the kids game tonight i don't care about any of this this seems so trivial and in a way it is but I think things that are important start out often as trivialities and the cascading effect of unintended consequences can bring us to a darker place. And um, so I just it's it's not about boycotting. It's just about bringing attention to it so that we can speak with our wallets in an effective way as a pattern to encourage these corporations to act more ethically. And I think there is an unethical edge to going and working for a Chinese company, which is why I brought up Sean Layden, the PlayStation CEO before I reached out to him, the ex CEO, I reached out to him and I'm <laughs> to see if he wants to be on the, do a show with me. I'm sure he won't, but he has a lot of questions to answer because it's what I brought up earlier, right? Sean Layden was the PlayStation CEO. So you have to go work for Tencent. You don't have any other options. The money is worth it that much to you and you're going to help normalize them. And that's the cascading effect of yeah. drama of drama that I think will continue. So please keep speaking to your audience about it. I'm very appreciative that you wrote about it because I really feel like I, you were the one of the first people I saw ever acknowledge it in the political sphere. And that's why I reached out to you to thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Colin, thank you for being on the show. I'll get you back on here in three years when I finish God of War Ragnarok. Yes. Uh, it's coming out in a couple of months. Yes. Uh, so, uh, no, but uh, I, this is a great chat, and I, I really do think folks uh, should be paying attention to it. So, Thank you. Uh, my name is Sonny Bunch. Uh, I am the culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, we, we will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. See you guys then. Mm-hmm.